Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. My name is Alec Mappa, and um, I'm an acting comedian. I'm never going to figure this show out technically. <laughs> You're doing great. I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor and psychotherapist. I can't hear myself. And Alex my... Technician. I can't hear myself. At... Oh, wait, I can hear. Oh, there. Now I can hear myself in my <laughs> microphone. In my in my micro in my headset. Never mind. Yes. Listen. Yeah. I you know I've been list I've been looking through. I actually listen to our show, which I don't do <laughs> a lot. I don't either. Because really. I'm. You should because you're so good. Oh, you are so, so are you. Thank you. good. You're so good at listening to the guests <laughs> and taking their story and um, observing it from a clinical point of view. Ah. Uh. And a consistent theme seems to be about throughout the whole show, through yeah. every single show, is mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what happened to you in your formative years. What matters most is how you process it and handle it as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way around living life and the experiences that we go through. Right. Hopefully, we'll have an ideal situation and we have yes. a lot of really great things happening. Um, but even in a more ideal situation, which most of us don't have. Uh, you know, there's still going to be shit that comes up and it's just about understanding it, unpacking it, becoming familiar with it, and then mm -hmm. like, learning how to manage it. We can't And that's away. the hot mess of the hot mess podcast. Hot mess, that's what so we talk messy. about every week. This is a, if you're tuning in for the very first time, this is a mental health podcast. So it's very serious. And if you're coming back again, welcome back. We're, we love to have you. Don't forget to download and subscribe yeah. because um, now they're looking at numbers at the at the producers are telling us the numbers that we're, <laughs> yes. we're doing kind of decent. We're kind yeah, of doing good, a decent job. Good. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, for listening, liking yeah. and subscribing. I think this is OK. <laughs> I think that when I think it's time for us to after the plague, after the viral count goes yes. down yes. in the body of humanity, we should do a live podcast live from <laughs> hamburger mary's or something or listen uh, there are there are so many opportunities for us but hey and the best way for us to get to those opportunities and to do it with strength is to be able to consider where we've come from and the adversity that we had to go through to get here there which you brings go. us to our topic today turning adversity into strength oh wow See, that was terrible <laughs> that was terrible <laughs> Well, you there know, was I mean, you're there was nothing yeah. organic or je I didn't believe no, a word. I didn't. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't grace. <laughs> that wasn't like silk. <laughs> no, but that's but that's been the show. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about um, Dominique Jackson, who started mm -hmm. out as uh, an impoverished sex worker and mm -hmm. lived to see the day where she was on a billboard in Times Square. Yeah. I mean, even somebody like Alec Baldwin, who grew up impoverished on Long Island, uh, one of six kids, the father mm -hmm. who worked 10 different jobs to keep everybody afloat. Um, uh, recently, we had Kirsten Vanksness on from Criminal Minds. Mm -hmm. She talked about the abuse that she endured growing up processing yeah. it so that we can all be functioning adults. And yeah. it's kind of like there. And then we've had people on the show 
Well, one person, do you remember Dulce Sloan? Who's like, I'm never going to therapy. <laughs> yes. I never, I'm never going to therapy. I'm never kind of like, and, and at this point, I don't know. I'm so bananas. And I know we don't use terms like that anymore. We can't say bananas are crazy. Or we can't say suffering from mental illness or mentally ill. You can't say mentally ill anymore. You would say suffering from mental illness. Like I can't imagine living without my therapist just to let yes. us steam every week. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Why don't we talk about some things specifically for us about maybe some of the kind of like our own shit that we had to go through. I'll start. <laughs> okay, I'll go. I'll start. Go. Well, What's I mean, you know, while you were talking about, you even just kind of, you know, spoke about how, you know, kind of getting through, <laughs> getting through the plague mm-hmm. and kind of how we started the show at the mm-hmm. start of the, at, at COVID. So yeah. I was doing it that whole time. And um, I remember thinking to myself, I mean, this is something I think obviously everybody can relate to the global pandemic, but I remember thinking to myself, like, I cannot fucking wait to feel the strength that I'm building from all of this right now. Oh, you're already thinking ahead. Like, I'm going to be Wonder Woman after this. I mean, listen, because, you know, there, it's obviously having such an impact on absolutely everybody. I knew that I was feeling it myself, too. I was mm. not able to kind of like do the work that I normally could do. And, you know, the amount of work that I could do and the intensity of it. And I was feeling it and I was kind of going through some depression. Right. There was a lot of and still just trying to show up every day. Yes. You know, yeah. and uh, and it was really difficult. But I have had enough kind of experiences in life at this point to know that there's always going to be kind of like the other side of it. And this I don't want to cycle. And I don't want to let these moments go in vain because I'm a firm believer that, you know, everything happens for us, not to us. So what can I actually glean from this? Like, what's the strength that I can get from this? And so just kind of paying attention that. to that. Everything yeah. happens for us, not to us. It's a very empowering yep. mentality. Um, <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine was calling from New York uh, a little less than two weeks ago, and he was having one of his actor meltdowns. Um, everybody's working but me. Um, yeah. He was on a tour before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the tour shut down. So everybody on Broadway, anybody who sets foot on a stage is having a difficult time right now. Mm-hmm. So, but he was turning it into this is forever. Mm-hmm. And I faced the end so many times. This is my adversity turning yeah. into strength bit. All right. Just prefacing that. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready. Give it to us. Um, I've I faced I faced so many periods in my life where like this is the end, and then it turned out not to be the end. Yeah. That I was able to say an absolute truth because I don't think you can pass on advice or give observations to people unless you've lived it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's going to ring hollow. So yeah. I said, "This is the gig. This is what it's like to yeah. uh, to lead a creative life and to be a creative person. You are going to have abundant times, and then you're going to have times where nothing's happening, no matter how hard you yeah. try. You can't take it personally, and you can't look at it as forever. Yeah, period. for sure. I mean, absolutely, especially kind of in you know entertainment. That's oh, that's always going to be it. And anybody that really works for themselves, you know that you're going to have these moments professionally, financially, where th- where work comes in and work is not coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think absolutely everybody can relate to that. That's just the ebbs and flows of life. But it can be hard, and it's only and it's only until I remember. Remember, uh, Tom Lang came on, and he was talking about yeah. how he's had a couple of his fifteen minutes of fame, and mm-hmm. so he knows what those waves look like. Right, it's so a he, wave. It's a wave. So he has that, you know, kind of uh, psychology of personal reference. He's able to look back and, and kind of see that to help guide him now, so he doesn't mm-hmm. you know, panic in the same way. But it's hard, like when it first when it first kind of happens, like one of the first big waves happen, it really kind of feels like maybe this is it. Maybe, you know, yeah. kind of like a peaked and that's it. <laughs> my my big tsunami was in 1992 when my when I got dumped, my boy, uh, my boyfriend dumped me, my mother died and my business manager stole all my money all oh. in the same year. 
like within yeah. a month of each other. That yeah. was kind of like the thing that was meant to, I mean, when you talked about earlier about like um, strength, like yeah. it'll turn you into somebody strong, yeah. that was the formative time for me. It kind of made me think I'm built to survive. I'm built to withstand but before you, kind of but before you got to that point, was there was there kind of a moment of like real darkness where you weren't sure if that was going to happen, or you yeah, just thought absolutely. that this was just going to lay you out? No, absolutely. There were there were like there were there was a lot of darkness. Yeah, there was. I was I was evicted um, from my apartment in Hollywood, and, and I found out that I was evicted because I got up and I turned on the electricity, and the electricity was off. <laughs> <laughs> that was your signal, huh? Because I was so depressed, I didn't get out of bed. I was so immobilized. And then, you know, I had to go live with my relatives in the Valley. And this is after having worked in New York, after having been on Broadway, after having, you know, I it's like I'd already had a certain degree of success and I had yeah. to really start all over again. And it just made me realize, you know, you can start all over again, no matter where you are. You can recover from things. What was the no turning point on that? For you? Um, I think um, I was, okay, I was working at California Pizza Kitchen in Encino, mm -hmm. which has the most historically, I mean, awful clientele. It's all rich mm -hmm. people from the hills of Encino, just rich and nasty and mean. And I was working there and I got a play at the public in New York. I'd always wanted to do a play at the public. That was the goal. Mm -hmm. And I finally had to move to LA to get a play at the public. And <laughs> I got a play. I went to New York and then I felt like I'm 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 back in it. I was kind of accepted back into a world or presented with opportunities that I thought were gone forever. Oh, okay. And then as soon as I got back, I got a pilot. So it was kind of like that was like, you know, the turning point of like, OK, we're we're turning things around. So you kind of had to just wait it out a little bit like it was very kind of like uh, it gets better moment. Well, I had to I had to be sad as I wanted to be. And then and then life circumstances boxed me into a place when you said life is happening for you, not to you. It happened that I was like, you got to get a job. You got to you have to turn this around and nobody's coming to fix this for you. Yeah, but I think that's kind of incredible, too, because absolutely life is going to happen kind of for you. Right. Like there's mm -hmm. that part of it. Mm -hmm. But then we also have to show up. And so that's yeah. not to discredit the effort that it took for you to get to that place. Right. Where you were able to kind of pick yourself up enough and just say, let's just put one foot in front of the other. Let's get a job. Let's keep yeah. moving. Let's find the but next thing. I did feel victimized for a really long time. I did kind of blame life for a really long time. And then I finally got to the point where, listen, nobody forced you to date that horrible man at right. gunpoint, yeah. um, uh, and uh, you were the one who made the decision to leave all the money decisions to somebody else, so you gotta own that too. And as far yeah. as your mother goes, people die, that's life. It's right. kind of like, that didn't happen because of you, that didn't happen to you. Your yeah. mother passed away, and for you to make it about you is silly. So the, what happened, the turning point for me, again, is like when it started changing when I had kind of ownership of it. You know, kind yeah, of like I yeah. stopped kind of like, yeah, 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 this happened and rah, 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 you know, yeah, which, you know, we kind of need sometimes we just have to kind of like let it out and vent and, you know, and all of that. But it's what I'm hearing from you is that you got to a certain point where you were able to check in with yourself also about not, you know, kind of having it turn into kind of a victim mentality. Yeah, you could still acknowledge the pain and the discomfort of it, but also recognize how much you were personalizing it so much as if it felt yes. like that this was a very specific you thing. And when you were able to broaden the scope and give it kind of a, a different uh, context and perspective on it, that that was also something that helped motivate you. Yeah, because then it, it empowered me. It was like, well, if yeah. I can make a mess, I can also clean it up. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, it, I, love yeah, I love that scene. That. I love that scene in, um, in in Bridesmaids where Melissa McCarthy says to Kristen Wiig, you know, you're your problem, but you're yeah. also your solution. That's true. Because when we're personalizing things, then what we're saying is everything keeps dumping on me. The world is happening like to me and I don't mm. have any control over this. And so we're giving our power to every circumstance around us. But when we're actually able to check in and realize like, okay, this isn't just a me specific thing, right? And it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're also internalizing your power a little bit more so that you then can see like, oh, okay, great. I can't control my circumstances, but I can manage how I'm viewing it and also next steps that I want to take for it. So like you said, yeah. it was empowering for you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love you so much. We have an amazing guest today. Yeah, we, we do. have we have Tina Burner from season yes. 13 of RuPaul's Drag Race, and she knows <laughs> all about this subject, turning adversity into strength. And we're going to talk to her right after these messages. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are excited to get to know our guest today. You know her from RuPaul's Drag Race season 13, and she is right now, at this moment, the reigning National Miss Comedy Queen. Please welcome the fabulous Tina Burner. Yay! <laughs> Applause, sound effect. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Are you are you in New York right now? Are you currently in the city? I am New York, sitting in my studio apartment with a curtain that hides my kitchen. But yes, that's what okay. you do in New York City. <laughs> so are you soaking wet? Are you have a ground floor apartment? What's happening? We're watching the, Funny, the, yeah. the footage on Twitter. It's terrifying. Yes, usually it's my basement that's flooded, but uh, mm. it's all of New York that's actually been flooded. I, I'm actually on a, a ground floor apartment, but I kind of live on a hill. So like I got oh. lucky with that. Like oh, the water oh. went down, but there's no trains Gosh. or anything right now. So exercising was key today and getting anywhere that I needed to go. Yeah. Oh. What's the what's the energy like there? Today? Yeah. I, it's, it's weird. I actually have two really close friends that just lost everything in their house. Like everything oh. collapsed and they're oh, like- no. And they're like photographers, like everything was in there. So like oh, the no. energy's weird. Like a lot of the trains are shut down. I had to go to like the dentist today and like none of the doctors are in because they can't get across the water. So it's kind of like, it's it's weird because it's such a beautiful day after such a huge storm. Oh. That it's like so nice out, but it's like just a weird energy today. So yeah. Oh. I remember from living in New York City, like this time of year, it was like, it's a transition between fall and summer. So you would have super beautiful days followed by hundred degree weather. Like yeah. it would just, yeah. it would get really hot again. Like, <laughs> ha ha, tricked you. And then right around Halloween, it would start to like, oh, crispy pumpkin yeah. spice. Now I love this, <laughs> this backdrop of yours. We're so pleased to have you on the show today because the, the subject is adversity turning into strength. And you're like the Meryl Streep of that. Oh, I mean, that, that's literally my life story. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just one thing after the other. I think I've lived like probably about 30 lives already. And I think I've yeah. done 30 to live but um yeah of course yeah i truly believe in it strength is what brought like why i'm here today so paint yeah, us yeah. a picture where'd you grow up i grew up in upstate new york on mm. a horse farm 
uh, my dad was a veterinarian for racehorses and oh, my wow. grandfather was actually my, yeah, my grandfather was a, a, a trainer. So like, that's what I met. It was my mom's dad. And so, uh, they, you know, met there and they moved us upstate. My parents were going through some things, so they moved us upstate to grow up and I'm the youngest of four. So grew up up there. Uh, I stayed there till just about, I was 16 years old and then moved to the city and then Florida, there's a whole, you know, story behind that. So mm-hmm. but, yeah, all over the place. All over, mostly up, uh, my my younger years growing, yeah, on a farm upstate. So, I, and youngest of four, and um, and you're with your mom and your dad, and I I'm the third out of um four. So yeah. I I always joke that by the time I came around, there's a million baby pictures of my brother and sister, and by the time they got to me, it's like who gives a shit. And <laughs> oh. um, yeah. So so the fourth kid must be like, hi over here, um. Was was it? Were you like a baby drag queen up on the farm trying to bedazzle everything and get some attention? <laughs> um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, growing up, I grew up an hour like north of Utica, so there was no mm. gay scene. Like there was no like I wanted to be a figure skater, but I played ice hockey. It was like that oh. kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Like I, I rode western, like uh, doing horses, and um, yeah, there was no. I was the youngest of four, so I was you know my mommy's. You know, I was a mama's boy. Yeah, but, um, me too. But by the time, yeah, by the time my parents uh, were going to separate and split, I was only like eight or nine years old. So, you know, being the youngest, yeah. you don't get those amazing memories. You get the you yeah. get the tail end of the storm, you know? Mm. Definitely can be a storm, but I'm actually the youngest of three. Uh, and I was about five years old when my parents split. So I kind of I kind of feel you on that. Yeah. But uh, but it's funny, though, actually, I think the the youngest actually can be really babied. You know, so oh. you can kind of get like a lot of attention. And I there's always such a special relationship between kind of like baby gay boys and their moms. So I'm just kind of oh. curious, what was your relationship like with your mom? I mean, my mom, I was such a mama's boy. I, I like I said, I wouldn't do theater. I sang a lot. So um, we were just we were like inseparable in a sense. Mm. I remember in third grade, I went to a school dressed as my mom for Halloween and like one of her floral oh, dresses with like I a wig on it. And it was like, I was one of those, like, yeah. Wait, I, but wait like, no, what stop, the, stop, stop, yeah, stop. Can we just you give gotta, that a you moment? You have to describe the yeah. outfit. Can we give that I a moment to brave? That is a what, good yeah. one. What <laughs> Mama Burner looks like. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, of course. I mean, even before that, though, to do the little segue on it, there's a picture of me, like, as a toddler in a pair of heels, and that's it, a pair of boxes. Mm, um, but no, I was I was in a blue, a purplish blue floral dress <gasps> with some balloons as my breasts, uh, some dark hair, and I just remember oh there's a picture God. of me, and I look miserable, but, like, inside, <laughs> I was, like, pretending to be, like, I hate this. But I was like, yes, you better work. But you couldn't let it up on your face. Oh, you know? right. Socially, you had horrible. to pretend like, yeah. Was your mom miserable? Yeah. Or were you trying to be in character? Like, what was going on? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. My mom is like, you know, one of the funniest people laughed. I was trying to pretend I didn't like wearing women's clothing, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just like, okay. I am straight. Yeah. I am straight. I, I, like, I like horses and hockey. Yeah. yeah. yeah I like horses and hockey. <laughs> Yeah, and I play flag football. (laughs) Okay, so you dressed up as your mom for Halloween, so obviously there's kind of great admiration there. Yeah, I love that duality, though. And so you guys are really, really close, and your your parents split up at a young age. Does that make you even closer? Does it, um, usually in times of crisis, uh, my therapist told me that the child becomes parentified. You know, it like the child becomes... The, the caretaker for the parent during a hard emotional times. 
Oh, I mean, 1000%. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing is, is when my two older sisters were kind of like just about old enough to leave the house, uh, my brother Kenny decided to go with my father. I decided to stay with my mom, mm. even though like mm. during the, it was going to be the court's decision, but I even met with the judge and the judge said at the time that I was able to make my own decision. They had actually wow. ruled on the fact that like I was mature enough to decide who I wanted to go with. So I stayed with my mom um, for just about that till I was about 16 when I left there. So like I stayed through the, you know, she was, she, she was a Stepford wife. My, my parents were very like, my dad was the top horse veterinarian in the country. Like mm. we were right. Two, two girls, two boys, St. Bernard golden retriever, this perfect, perfect life that, you know, became like shattered. It was perfect on the outside, but looking in, it was just a mess. So like mm. when they finally did split, it was me and my mom, like do or die. And that's how yeah. we still are to the day, but it was, we were the two left to, you know, fend for each other. Yeah. So in what ways, I mean, cause you were mentioning that, uh, you know, you kind of had to be almost like a caretaker for your mom then yeah. as a child. So like, tell us about yeah. that. Oh, well she, like I said, she was so used to being perfect and trust me, you know, gorgeous, stunning. And like, I guess, you know, you've spent 20 years in a marriage and, um, you know, she let her, let her hair down, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm not just like literally, but like chopped her hair off, started dating people that weren't much older than my sisters, you know, went through a string of like engagements and like, you know, and just got really, really deep into alcoholism. And Mm. um, so as a child, you become the parent. Yeah. And, you know, I always say like, everyone always asks me like, will you have kids? And I was like, I don't know. I think I raised one. (laughs) Yeah. Like you did. I'm pretty good. Like I have some dogs. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because we look back and we laugh about it now. But as a child, I mean, you know, it was, it, was it right? No. And was it traumatic? Sure. But it's, it's who it built this person who sits here today. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And it, right. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the stuff like that, like it was messy. I mean, there were times, you know, my mom would just like pass out and I'd stay up at night to make sure she didn't like vomit in her sleep or, Mm -hmm. you know, this and all that stuff. So it's, it's definitely, it takes a strong sort of person to get out of it and and to stick there. And so like, I decided to stay when everyone else left, I decided to help her through it. Cause I, I somehow knew inside of me that later in life, like I would use it. And like later in life, like it would teach me how to overcome so many things and how to like push through things. It's such an interesting dynamic. And, you know, because, you know, when, when we hear something like that, it's easy to just kind of look at it and think like, oh God, poor kid, you know, that he had to deal with all that. But what's interesting is that when we find ourselves in a dynamic like that and kind of in a position, of course, there's a lot of weight that you're having to carry, especially as a kid. And you don't really have the tools to be able to do that. But there's kind of like this, like really like fun side to it because it's like, you feel like an adult, you're getting to have these adult conversations yeah. with your parent, you're feeling useful, you're feeling valuable. None of this stuff is what actually makes us useful and valuable, but it gives you that sense as a kid. And so it's really kind of easy then to kind of dig into that part of it too, as kind of, you know, what it is that keeps us motivated to keep going through that. Did you feel any of that yourself? I mean, I did. I, for being so young, I don't know why I was able to look back then and just go as well, like, but what about what she's going through? Right. You mm. know what I mean? Like, what about like, what about her life collapsing right now? Like mm. her life's collapsing too. Yes, I'm a child and she has to raise me. But to be honest, she just, she raised three other kids. Right. Yeah. And, and, and like, I'm the last one. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it, I thought a lot about, I mean, a lot about what you talked about, you know? So it's, 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 
it's interesting. The whole, yeah, the whole dynamic is. I mean, yeah. it, turns I you in, it turns you into that sort of thing, you know, certainly with my parents drinking, because both my parents drink. I watched a, a, yep. a Coco Peru show, which is when my dad came home, I had to pour him two fingers of scotch, you know, kid stuff. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and it was. It was like that for me too. Like I had to pour my dad a drink and we all had to be quiet. And, and what that did was to me, it turned me into a really hypervigilant adult. Like I know how to read a room. I, yeah. you know, like I don't get people who can't read social cues, who can't yes. read, who can't who walk up to somebody who's clearly pissed or doesn't want to be spoken to. Like I yeah. can walk into a room and sense the vibe. Were, were you like that when you were a teenager? Oh, I mean, 100%. I, I, I was very alert because I had to stay very alert with my mom and I had to be very alert always to what was going on, what yeah. was around me, you know, talking to the police if they showed up, you know, if she'd gotten into a car accident or, you know, there was a lot of things that happened. Like you had to stay alert. But like you said, I mean, it's, it, it is a weird tool that I'm very thankful for because now I'm very, I'm always very aware of my surroundings. Yeah. I'm always aware. Yeah. I'm aware of my like personal struggles as well. I'm aware of when actually like, okay, you took it too far. Like I turn, I'm able to turn it on myself yeah. and be like, you've literally like, you need to pull it back a little bit, babe. And like, and, and because of that, you know, it, it is because of that. Did I want more of a childhood and like run around and stuff like that? Sure. But listen, you, you you're having a childhood now. You're in a yeah. big wig yeah. and a dress every single night. You're, I mean, baby. You're, you're, baby. you're an amusement park ride now. So this is your yeah. childhood. Yeah, but not even... Not even that, but jokes on her because I turned into dressing up like her as a career. Oh, I mean, a moneymaker. I mean, ah. Yeah, Tina Burner is based on Booze and Susan. Like, <laughs> Tina Burner is Booze and Susan. I love it. Yeah, you know, it's, yep. it's also kind of interesting because what we're talking about is like this like double whammy, especially for us, because when you grow up having to be responsible for adults, right, and have to kind of like carry the burden of, of that weight and all that shit, um, that in and of itself is a lot, especially if you have parents who you know, struggle with addiction or mental health issues who are just a lot in general. That's a lot. That takes a huge toll. But on top of it, too, it really kind of lends itself as an opportunity for us as queer people to be able to hide even more. Because so long as we're investing our attention and energy into somebody else, then it's kind of we're like doing a song and dance and nobody's looking what's behind the curtain. Mm. Behind that beautiful red glittered curtain. Mm. You know, I mean, so. maybe I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, there we go. So there is a lot of strength that can come from that in the sense of being really aware, being really empathetic, being plugged into kind of what's going on around us. Yet it also, if we're not paying attention to it, can become kind of this defense for us where we're constantly just trying to put everybody else's needs ahead of our own. Oh, that's the other side else. of it. That's the other side of it. So have you mm -hmm. experienced any of that through your life? Kind of like that classic caregiver? Baby, let me tell you, I mean, that's every relationship I've ever like been in for the uh, most part is like you turn to being the caretaker. Like yeah. I've always kind of in, in most of my relationships, not all of them, but in like a lot of them I've looked for, I've stayed in relationships where I try to like fix things. You're like, oh, I can fix yeah. this. Yeah. You know, like I can, I can, you know what? They, they appeared, you know, they're doing like drugs or something like that. And you're like, I can turn that around. Oh, okay. like, I can fix it. Yeah. And, and I think that in many like relationships like that, you think that you're like, you became the super human as a child right. and you're like, well, I got my mom into rehab and I got this. So like, even as a child, so now as now I can still do this. And yeah. sometimes the problem is not the person. The problem is you thinking you can fix it and you thinking you should stay. 
And yeah. sometimes it's and like- you thinking that, that this is your responsibility. You know, yeah. like my husband and I have this, this is a conversation we have over and over again where he'll be venting and he goes, I don't need you to solve this right now. I just want you to hear me. Yeah. Yep. Because my, because I'm I'm like that. It turned me into a caregiver as well because I'm always like, what do you need? What do you need right now? What do you need me to do? Like, I bet you're a really good boyfriend. What's your sign? Uh, Scorpio. Scorpio. Oh, loyal friend. Loyal, very yes, loyal friend. Loyal. You've got you've got that sharp little tail that'll get you when you somebody does you wrong. So, okay, you're nine. You you're a teenager. What are the circumstances uh -huh. that? that um that move you into your father's place because you said you moved in with your father later on yeah so my father and i even just so you know we had my my brother was daddy's boy i'm mommy's boy so there's already that separation yeah um I'm, and so my i finally got to a point my mom obviously went into deep depression um her my grandmother had dealt with that my grandmother like had had you know electric shock therapy when it was mm. you know what i mean like they, medicine, there was, there was medicine. a long line medicine you know there was a long line of that in her family so to finally get to a point, it was three days before my junior year in high school. And this is where I, anything I've ever known. And I grew up and I just knew I was just, I had my Jeep, my red Jeep Wrangler, of course. And uh, I had my red Jeep Wrangler and my dad and I didn't get along, but he did live uh, right in the Meadowlands in, in New Jersey because he was oh. based outside the track, which is right outside Sea Caucus, New Jersey, outside yeah. um, of the city. So my, um, my just instinct is I just looked at her and I said, I love you so much, but like, it's hurting me more to watch you. Mm. And I know I need to walk away because I'm becoming your crutch um, and I'm making this okay. Wow. And I need you to know it's not okay. And I have to leave to do that. And I also needed, I said, I need to take care of myself for once. And, you know, I want to do like Broadway. I want to do all that. So that's what I did. I mean, I just got in my car and I drove. You're not, you were Lorna Luft. Wait, how old were you? You were 16? I was 16. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's really incredible, especially at that early of an age to be able to have that awareness that kind of insight for yourself and also to be able to have the courage of taking those steps and to do yeah. it with grace and say it so kindly to your oh, mom yeah. but do what you needed to do that's incredible yeah. it reminds me of um it reminds me of uh, lorna luff's book she she was like that was her big liberation thing is like i love you so much but i can't be you're a caretaker 24-7. Yeah. So you're both New yeah. Jersey boys you're living in New Jersey now with your dad how much <laughs> yeah. of a culture shock adjustment is that uh, it was, it was huge. Um, I, I right away when I got here, I tried to go like straight to work cause we didn't have the best relationship. Right. Um, I didn't know I was gay yet. I, I figured I used to race home to watch like full house. And I was like, John Samuels is Harris though. Cool. But yeah. I didn't know like, <laughs> I want to sleep with John Samuels, yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, yeah, you don't like, you don't, you don't put those things together. So like, and growing up in that small town, there was no gay people. So yeah. I moved right there, go to sea caucus, make friends with, you know, this guy, Alex. And he was like, Hey, let's hang out. Next thing you know, you know, here I am, you know, finding out my sexuality. So I, I, I tried to like put myself into work and audition. I ended up like getting a part as um, Tom Sawyer in Big River at the Greenwich Street Theater. Nice. And I remember being in, yeah. So I was like in school and I was like kind of working and I was like, this is great. And then like um, uh, my father and I, you know, he was just, he was never home a lot. So I was mm. able to get away with some things. And I just remember I was out. Uh, yeah, to put it lightly. Yeah. I was, uh, hey, listen, my, don't my, censor think, yourself on this show. This oh, is the sh It's called Hot yeah, Mess. No, we talk you. about everything. Baby, Get it, details, girl. Baby, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you all. But, you know, I Alex and I had, like, hooked up. And I uh, found out I was gay because, obviously, you know, 
You liked it. Next thing you know, you, you, you liked it. Yeah. You liked it. But the more important, <laughs> I had my brother's ID and we went out clubbing because my <gasps> brother's like a year and a half older than me. And I had his expired ID, but I was able to get in the clubs. Yeah. So I went out like clubbing with some friends and this guy, Anthony, who was like into me. And um, we came home and my dad was supposed to be out of town. Uh-oh. And uh, now pick, let me paint the picture. My dad's 6'4". Uh-huh. Uh, my dad's like, and he's like, t- screams like a bear. He used to call me Chrissy Boy, which actually sounds like Sissy Boy, which I'm blaming him on. Um, <laughs> but uh, he would be like Chrissy Boy and like growl like a bear. So he he was supposed to be out of town. I passed out under the covers with this guy. My dad, I guess, was in town. Um, couldn't get in, so he thought like, obviously, I was doing drugs. Obviously, I was just coming to terms with my sexuality. So he's freaking mm-hmm. out. So he breaks down the front door, breaks down my door, pulls the covers down as I'm waking up, and I'm in bed with another man. Oh, wait, could, wait the front how, door's locked. The front door. What, did I had you... a chain. I had a chain. Because I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to hide my discretion. So, you know? okay, so, your, so your dad hulks out and he, he smashes down two different literally. doors. He, he literally hulks pulls, out. He pulls back the covers and, and, and what's your response? Hey, I didn't expect I mean, you. It's, I mean, it's literally, it's such still to this day, like a little bit of a blackout moment. And, and the best part about it is my dad obviously scares a guy out of the house. I mean, oh, he was yeah. terrifying to begin with like that. And then just looks at me. And he was just like, put your clothes on. We're having dinner with your aunt. And I was like, oh no. So I had to put on my clothes and we went to TGI Fridays because that's where people in Jersey go. Fancy, and, fancy. Um, <laughs> yeah, really fancy. And I remember we sat down and it was the um, the gayest waiter I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, just t- stereo, stereo, stereotype, yeah, yeah, like yeah. bleach blonde hair, yeah, yeah. really skinny, like, right. And he just looks at the waiter the whole time and he looks at me and he looks at the waiter <laughs> and he looks at me and it was a whole dinner and I was like, Ah, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, this is what my dad is just, he's not going to comprehend. I don't even comprehend. I'm figuring out. And it wasn't much longer. I had to wait. That was like when I was 17, I had to wait till I turned 18. My dad and I started to get into like altercations all the time. And we got into like a physical altercation. And I, I moved out the middle of my, um, the middle of my, right when I turned, right after my birthday, when I turned 18 in my senior year and I moved out of the house, like, you know, the night and stuff like that. Was it more because than it one physical uh, altercation? Was it a number of them? And, and then you just kind it of like- wasn't, It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't. My brother happened to be there and they got into like, you know, I was fighting my brother about something. It was just a kind of his aggression that came out, mm. I think dealing with the whole thing. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, he, he ever meant it to be what it was and what right. it became. Right. But because, you know, later in the years, we obviously sorted that out before he passed away. And uh, he, yeah, it just became tense. And I just knew at that moment, like, I had to go. So, I mean, I stayed up all night and packed and just like left. And, you know, my, my, my senior year in high school and I missed so many days that I couldn't wow. even graduate with my class. Wow. I graduated. I went to, I went to summer school myself and, you know, finished it so I could go to college. So where do you go? Where do you yeah, go after you go? this? Yeah. Oh, I went to um, New Jersey city university, yeah. which is, I think they call it something else now for musical theater, but I was only in school for two semesters before um, I went down to uh, Florida Cause my mom had like, my mom and I, during that time, I said, I couldn't speak to you until you sought some help. Okay. And so she moved to Deerfield beach to be by her family. So she could go to uh, rehab and she went down there and then we finally had started talking and went down to visit her. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I happened to stay because I auditioned for the boy band I was in. And yeah, that's when you became a, and, uh, you yeah. were in a boy band called Fifth Ring. Yeah. Ooh. Is that circa O-Town? Is that circa NSYNC? Is that circa... That that late nineties kind of it's circle a little too late. We should put oh, it. It's like okay. after that, that 
that whole craze and and the people are still like fighting for yeah, it and grasping for wave. it. Yeah, uh, it was the tail end of the wave, and it could have been great, but it was um yeah, it was yeah. You look adorable. You have these big sideburns and a little bit of uh, uh, uh you know. So so where does that turn into smoky eye? When does the yeah. musical theater boy band uh-huh. stuff turn into? I'm a New York queen. How does that wave of experiences oh. lead us to? Oh, know, to drag. Yeah. Yeah. Short end of it. I was doing the band for about two, three years. And um, I went, we went out clubbing one night. Yeah. And I just remember like, we all had like, we're going to get out of contract. Cause we was like, we don't want to do this anymore. We want to explore our own options. And I just came home one night. And as I do, I'm very good at this game as you've figured out. I came home and I was like, I don't want to be here. So I packed what I could in my backpack oh. and I got on a plane because I was the significant other for my aunt who was a stewardess, so I could fly when I wanted. Mm. And I just went to the airport and I got on a plane. I came to New York without a job with the money I had on me. And uh, I ended up getting a job right away on Broadway. I'm just kidding. Planet Hollywood, <laughs> uh, which was on 1540 Broadway. Yeah, I know where the Planet and Hollywood is. Yeah, baby. That was back in the day when it was jumping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked <laughs> I'd there. like some Captain Crunch I, chicken, please. Oh, the Captain <laughs> Crunch chicken. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Captain crunched it for a while. And then I and I ended up bartending at a gay bar um, here in Chelsea. And uh, they just asked me to like, hey, listen, we don't have a karaoke host. Um, can you which like, bar was it? Drag? Uh, excess XES. I love excess. I love excess. I love excess. Yeah. I used to work yeah. at GNHC back when it was down on 20th Street or oh. whatever, so or 24th, and it was right was there fun. on that same block. So we'd always go there club. after work. Yeah, <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you, I was the one who just overpoured everybody. I was just yes. like, this. Yes. Yes. favorite bartender. <laughs> I probably oh, had always. a drink from you at some point. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I was just bartending there and then I, um, I filled in for karaoke and they're like, do drag. And I was like, I don't do drag. Like, I'd done it at the invasion on Fire Island. Right. And so, like, we, I'd done it there, but I was just like, whatever. So I put on a bad Let me invasion and- explain to the, our folks oh, who yeah, don't yeah. know anything about Fire Island. Um, on Fire Island, uh, historically, uh, the, the queens from Cherry Grove got on a ferry and we were all in drag and invaded the Pines, which is the neighboring <laughs> neighborhood, <laughs> because um, uh, drag queens weren't traditionally welcome there and that became an annual event and now like a, the, an entire cruise ship lands in the pines and it's a whole big thing the invasion is a big drag invasion it's so much fun <laughs> yeah cut to you cut to you're in a dress lifting up your skirt and peeing mm-hmm. off the back of the boat because it's taking too long to pull in yeah i mean yeah. That, is, Love it. that is yeah that's what it is but yeah so i done the invasion i just was in drag a few times and i was like oh this is perfect like i get to do theater you know, I'll create my own character and I get to mm-hmm. sing and like it had everything literally that it was wrapped up into one. And I and I got to use those experiences that uh, I've been through and taken everything and create this monster who could get away with everything. Yeah. yeah. Was, you became this drag queen, this power, this superhero. And so, yeah, and then I started doing it and I actually flipped a table um, because I broke my hand and I was on Percocet and I decided to have a drink. And I flipped the table so much strength, got fired from that bar, and then got hired by eight others. Oh my so that's God, how that's I started doing funny. drag full well, time. But what, what it sounds like that you're saying, too, is that you get to create this persona, which I feel like we hear this a lot from the drag queens, right? It's like you get to create yeah. this persona that almost is kind of like counter to what uh, or just like so different from what typically is, you know, kind of your uh, personality or the way that you approach life, things like that. Um so t- can you like connect those dots for us? Because what we're talking about, obviously, yeah. adversity into strength. So 
In what ways then did you kind of pull from your experiences and kind of all the adversity that you had and then maybe channeled it through, you know, kind of Tina Burner? I mean, one of the big things is that talking, like taking care of my mother and raising my mother, like I never got a chance to like take care of someone else. You know what I mean? It wasn't having my relationships. And like Uh Tina Burner is a form of another person that I got to take care of that take care of me. It's the first time that like it it was all about me. You know, like Tina Burner is all about me. Tina Burner is that person that like, you know, I've always wanted to be like the, the strongest person and, you know, the loudest person and, and the most talented person and all that. It's like for a minute, instead of having to, I had a reason to take care of someone mm-hmm. that it could be me. Oh, and I know wow. that sounds like, it sounds a little weird in a sense. When no, you're it doesn't, it like that. It doesn't no. sound weird at all. We it makes that. perfect sense. Yes, it makes it perfect does. sense. And you like, uh, and Tina Burner like is, the character of Tina Burner, from what I've seen on, on season 13, is very colorful. And and you're a big girl. I mean, she's a pretty, pretty yeah, powerful baby. presence. She's knocking over tables. You auditioned seven times. Seven times yeah, to get on the wow. show. I, yeah, I auditioned. I didn't give up. I'm like one of those, like, I am the exa- like the exact example of, like, just never give up. Like, really just hit it, hit it, yeah. hit it. If you want it bad enough, if you want it bad enough, like, you'll get there. I kept, I wouldn't give up. It's like when National Comedy Queen, it took me three tries. Miss Fire Island, it took me like three tries. I'm one of those people that like, I believe that every time you do something, like either whether you do a pageant or you audition, Mm -hmm. you take what you've learned from that and you apply it to the next. Mm. And that's just what you can keep building it and building it and building it and building it until you finally get where you're going to go because you will always, always learn something from your experience. Even watching myself back on the show, I've learned leaps and bounds mm-hmm. in drag and everything yeah. like that. And I think you always just have to look at it in a positive light. Well, okay, so. tell us how, tell us about what helped you do that. Because I think, I mean, what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense yeah. and it obviously yeah. works for people who have the capacity to do that, like you. I think there's probably a lot of people also that can that can kind of like hear a message like that of just like, you just have to keep, keep at it. If you want it hard enough, you'll do it. And there's a lot of people, yeah. I think, who feel just tremendous amounts of shame because there are things that they want really bad, but mm-hmm. they really, really struggle to find the motivation to actually put that kind of insight into action. Oh, so okay. what's been what's been helpful for you to actually be able to do that? I mean, it's always uh, criticism. And I know that sounds weird, but it, it's like a, a constructive criticism. Like, mm-hmm. I've always loved because I can't see the world through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do that. I can only see it through my eyes. And I'm going to tell you what, a lot of the time it's, it's not the right way to see it. Like mm-hmm. I'm very stubborn. I'm very, you know, pig-headed when it comes to it. And, and it's, it's literally the more and more that I've gotten almost not broken down, just like knocked off a few pegs certain times, the more and more I've learned from it. And oh. when you're willing to take, when you're willing to take somebody's like perfect example, when you do pageants, they write little notes, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, okay, this, this, and this. And you have to literally just sit there and you take those notes and be like, you know what? You're right. I mean, to trust me, like all of us, we think we're the fiercest this. We think we're the fiercest lip singer, the fiercest singer, the fiercest comedian. And like, what you always have to remember is there is someone out there better than you. Mm-hmm. There always will be. Like, no matter how great you think you are, there is, but it's to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Right. And be the best version of what you're comfortable with and, and that's what it's about for me is I'm always just able to like, say like, you may not like me because I'm not your makeup queen. You may not like me because I'm six foot, you know, eight in a way, yeah. or I'm not, you know, 60 pounds. You might not to, but guess what? There's somebody out there who does like that. Mm, there's yeah. somebody out there that appreciates it. And there's always, there's an audience for everyone. And there's enough of us in this planet, in this, you know, world, there's yeah. enough of us 
to be able to find that love from someone. Totally, Don't try to yeah. everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's two things, there's two important things that I'm hearing from you in that. One, obviously, is just kind of this concept of abundance-mindedness, right? Yeah. Like everybody can win. Everybody can win. There's yeah. enough to go right. around for everybody. So maintaining that. And then the second thing is also something that Alec was talking about at the top of our show for him too, which was getting to a place to not personalize it, that you're not over-identifying with the things that you're doing, the steps you're taking, the goals that you have even, but that you can recognize that you yourself as a person is separate from those things so that when those things receive some criticism, you can take the note, you can make the change, you can move forward. It doesn't feel like a personal assault on you, the person. Right. So that doesn't take you down. And I'm hearing your abundance consciousness in like, I'm going to take this towards the next thing because a lot of people, oh, yeah. when they do reach those roadblocks are like, this is the end. There's yeah. not going to be another chance for me. And you're already thinking ahead. I absolutely love this. Yeah. I love your story. And it's so great to get to know you in this format. And yeah. this is always the worst part of the show because it's like, just when we're really getting into yeah, it. Yeah, we could keep talking. It's time to go. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of like, it's so great to get to know you. Yeah, and, it really is. And to like, to hear, it, it augments the story that we didn't hear during your season. And and also, it's you're going to be an All-Stars. It, it's just like, if, when you take those, because everybody who comes back to All-Stars has this thing of like, yeah, I saw myself in my season and I knew I had to work on a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely, yeah. You definitely, you definitely think, yeah, you yeah. see it. You see so that. we <laughs> always have, and then I, I love your bravery because that thing of like, not that not everybody has that thing where you can put in your backpack and go, I'm out of here. I'm yeah. going. Some people stay in bad situations forever. So I think yep. there's a big takeaway in that, in yes. like caring for yourself. And even you found a, an alter ego that helped you take care of yourself and focus on yourself. I love that. Yeah. And when you did, yeah. and when you did find the courage to be able to leave situations that weren't working for you, you also did what we call detaching with love that you didn't have to kind of leave in a fury, right? You were able to say like, okay, this isn't working for me. Take care of yourself, but I have to do the same. And then you went away. And that makes a yeah. huge difference for whenever we're kind of stepping away from what doesn't work Detaching for Detaching with love. It's like yes. Gwyneth, the un uh, the conscious uncoupling. Um, <laughs> we always wrap up our, our fabulous podcast with a hot message from our, um, our guest. So given your adversity... And, mm -hmm. and, and people going through, you know, everybody's going through what they're going through, especially now. What, what would be your hot message to them, to somebody going through a particularly difficult time? Like, this is my now right now, and it's awful. I mean, uh, I, you know what? Somebody said it. It was one of the best quotes I've actually heard in uh, probably since I've ever been alive. And it came from actually Kylie Sonique on All Stars. And she said, she said, don't let that hurt child make your grown-up decisions. Ooh, yeah. yes, I, think, I heard that too. I love it. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's the message too. But the other message I, that I would personally leave to someone is like, find a way to laugh. You know, find a way to laugh about the situation. Oh, of course. Find humor. There's always, there was always a way in humor. And like, I've always said, if, you know, you don't laugh, you'll cry. But I mean, I look myself in the mirror every day and I look in it and I just find a way to make myself laugh or find something funny in the day to just look and laugh about. Find something yeah. really serious and find the fun in it. Yeah. You will. Every yep. situation, you'll find some sort of laughter. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank Where can you. people find you on your socials? On my socials, I'm at uh, the Tina Burner on basically everything, Fabulous. including Venmo. You're welcome. Yeah. When next time <laughs> no, I see yeah, you, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to stand on a bar stool and say, Chrissy boy. <laughs> Chrissy boy. Come here, Chrissy boy. Chrissy, Chrissy boy. boy. Oh my God. I have to, yeah, one day we're going to talk about so many funny stories that I can tell you about all that. <laughs> it's great. 
We love you. Thank you so much for doing the show today. Yeah, we'll talk you. to you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank Bye. you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matthew, what a great story. Really I just great. love the, the the bravery it takes to just kind of like detach with love and kind of make decisions on your own. And, and yeah. the quote of don't let a church, your hurt child make your adult decisions. Yeah, I love that. Because that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do that, too. I can do What's, that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My hot, my hot message, I would say, uh, is, is I guess just kind of piggybacking off of what uh, Tina was saying, because hey, that's my thing. Uh, OK, well, you can piggyback off okay. my piggyback. Um, but I would say, you know, because my, my thing usually is just kind of like, you know, give yourself some time, give yourself some space, like let yourself feel what you need to feel. And I do believe in all of that. But I will say that there is so much magic that comes from being able to laugh at yourself too, you know, mm. to, to give yourself the time and space to kind of touch base with the, the challenging stuff, but also like, let yourself laugh, let yourself laugh. Don't overindulge in the heaviness of things. Make sure you're also creating the space to just keep moving and to be able to find the, the, the kind of lightness and the joy that can be there too, because it's there. <laughs> laugh everybody What's laugh. yours? What's mine yours? is you know what i heard was very valuable today is don't take yeah. things personally yeah. you know i think that i took my purse i took i i could have gotten out of my funk earlier if i'd not taken it personally yeah. you know there's so many things in life that uh, circumstances that you were in and like it you know hearkening back to your phrase life is happening for you not to you yeah it's kind of like Look at own your part in things mm -hmm. and don't don't because it, it's it's more empowering to be a person who owns where they're at as opposed to a victim because a, a victim mentality, nothing's going to get done. Yeah, there's a difference between owning, owning things and yeah. uh, blaming, know, blaming yourself for things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't own. Uh, don't blame. Own. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. Long story long. Where can people find you on your social blog? <laughs> you can find me at MJ Dempsey Psych on Instagram, Twitter, and Matthew J Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. You've inspired me. I want to get a haircut today. You always look so perfect. You can find me at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us both at the Hot Mess Pod on um, Twitter and the Instagram. We want to hear from you. Um, don't forget to download and subscribe. We are the uh, the podcast that's going to save the world one hot mess at a time. Yes, Tune in next week for more hot mess fun. Bye-bye. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. 
This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.